All right, thank you, worship team. Well, how are we doing? Stunned. We are stunned this morning. Good to see you guys. We doing all right? Yeah, baby. All right, this is going to be a tough crowd this morning. All right. Hey, at least you didn't flip your Jeep over this morning, okay? So there is that to be thankful for. Although maybe you would like to own a Jeep, who knows? That's, that's on you. Well, hey, thanks for coming this morning. We've made it to part three of a four-part series called Rethink It. Uh, question for you, how many of you have already broken a New Year's resolution? How many made a New Year's resolution? We're not New Year's resolution people, are we? All right. Hey, we are rethinking this series in the beginning of the new year because it's kind of that time where everybody rethinks everything anyway. Even if you don't make a resolution, you just kind of think, oh, you know what, other people are, maybe I should at least think about it. I may not tell anybody I'm making a resolution, but I probably should. Now's the time I probably should, whatever, you know, lose weight. I should go to, to this place. I should restore this relationship. I should, you know, work differently. Or I should do different study habits when I get back to school. And that way I'll never be stressed again in my life, okay? All right, so here we are. We want to rethink below the surface, though, of the easy things. We're rethinking because we want to rethink some things that you may not normally rethink as you're kind of rethinking your life. We want to go beneath the surface and not just say we should all read one more book this year, every month, or something like that, which is good. We shouldn't just all lose weight, which might be good in its, in its own right. But, but deeper than that, who we are and, and who we are in terms of our relationship with God and whoever we think he might be, and we have this idea that we believe that we have an awareness of who God is through what we call the Bible and our awareness of who he is and who Christ is. So we are looking at who we are in Christ, who we are in response to faith together for for these four weeks. Week number one, we're trying to rethink, if if you say you're a follower of Jesus, we're trying to rethink what we think our limits are on how far we can go in terms of our ability to forgive, be compassionate, care for, love, and serve one another. That we kind of have limits and we think that's where it stops. Week number two, last week was a tough week, if, if I'm honest, and uh, I've had some several good conversations with, with you over this course of this past week in response to some stuff going on in your lives about what we talked about this past Sunday, about how in this little section of the scriptures that we're reading that, that God did not count our sin against us. And because of that reality, the, the reconciliation work has been given to us and committed to us. And so we're rethinking how we think about our relationships with one another, our assumptions that I will always be at odds with this person. I'll always be at odds with this person. This tension will always exist. And I wanted to challenge you to rethink at a deeper level what it is that the message of reconciliation means as we live out relationships with one another. We've done a few things in this series to try to keep the conversation going and get it going and make this more than just me talking up here, which I know is like super exciting in its own right. However, we, uh, we have these, ser- these cards that we had out there in the foyer and in the first week we had uh, at the end of your pew. Uh, these cards have our primary passage of scripture that we are studying for the month on here and then on the back is a blank area for you to write. What I'm asking for and hoping you're able to do is write two or three um, impressions that have been made on you because of this series. It may or may not be anything that I actually said here at all. It may not be anything up on the screen. It may just be, you know what, 
I don't even know what he was talking about, but while I was sitting there, here's what was impressed on me that I should probably do. And these become your things, your words, what the Holy Spirit speaks to you, what your mind is going toward, what you're kind of feeling, this is something that I should do and something I should rethink. So my hope is that you can do that. Now, a little heads up, next week is the conclusion of our series. We're going to have a little fun with that, a little um, time to share that here in the congregation Safeway. We'll work that out next week. You may not want to miss that because I'm looking forward to what that will look like for us as we share some of these at, a, at an appropriate level with one another publicly here, and we can kind of see how have we as a church interacted with what we've been learning this, this month. Um, at a social media level, you may have known we've created a hashtag, Rethink It, GPC Rethink It. Whatever you're interacting with here that's kind of hitting you and you're, you're kind of engaging with, uh, the hashtag GPC Rethink It, if you type that into either Facebook or you know, Twitter or Instagram and you are responding to or thinking about ideas from this, if you just use that hashtag with no spaces in between, what it creates is a, an ongoing social media thread where we can track that conversation. I can see that, oh, this person is reacting that way, they're reacting that way, they have this question, whatever. It creates a way for us to have a conversation across the social media platform there, okay? So the GPC Rethink It. Now, with that being said, um, here's where we want to go this morning. I kind of want to rethink with you since we're going underneath the surface. I want to rethink this with you. I want to rethink what it is that you are doing with your life. In particular, what message your life is sending. Now, I want to flesh that out with you because here's what we know, that everyone's life sends a message. Uh, let, me, let me color in the lines of that statement this way for you. Everyone's life sends a message. So, Here's what happened to me this week. Tuesday night, I decided I gave into the peer pressure to go play basketball with some friends, and we had a, a good time playing basketball Tuesday evening-ish. Um, and here's the, the message um, that my life would have sent to you like 20 years ago. If you would have known me 20 years ago, you would have said, this guy's life sends a message that he's a basketball player, that he loves to play basketball. He plays in high school. He plays when it's freezing cold out, he'll shovel the driveway, not so the cars will get clear, but because he likes to go out and play, even in the wintertime with his gloves on, even if he can't get the thing shoveled, he'll go out and play basketball. I'll have the jacket, I'll have the shoes. I'm interested in the game of basketball. If you would have known me in high school, you would have known that's the message that my life sent, is that I enjoy basketball. That became important to me. This past Tuesday, if you would have seen me on the basketball court, you may not have gotten the same message about my life anymore. And my life really may not send the message that his life is all about basketball. You know, as we make the first, I made the first drive to the, the basket, I'm like, ah, I remember how this feels like, and then I throw it up wildly, hitting nothing in general at all with the ball. I'm like, this is no longer going the way it used to go, you know, 20 years ago when I would play more consistently. But everyone's life sends a message. So my, my life's message no longer is that I'm all about basketball. But it wouldn't take long if you would have known me then to know, man, his life is all about that. In fact, you right now sitting here, you, you have an opinion or impression of the message that my life sends to you. Some of you know me better than others, but you have an impression, you have an opinion of me, and the opinion, the impression you have of me is essentially the message that I send to you. Some of that I can control, a lot of it I can't control, and we all are in the same boat. Uh, salesmen know this really well. Salesmen know that your, your life sends a message, that your life, your, your product is not just your product, you're not just selling this thing, you're actually selling you and all that goes with that. 
And so how you dress for the meeting sends the message. If you're on time or not, sends the message. The speech that you use sends the message. Do you remember the guy's first name? Do you remember the lady's last name? Do you remember the people you're meeting with? Are you able to speak well of your product and actually care more than just about selling the product but about the people who are there? Is your brand clear? Is your logo and imaging clear and direct? Can you be reached well or not? Because what you're selling is not just your product, but you're selling you and the message of what you bring. Everyone's life sends a message. If you're looking to date somebody, some people send the message of, I really want to date you, and others, you've got to pick it up, or not are sending the message, I really don't want to date you, and we know how that works, and somewhere along the line, sometimes those cross, and, and you find somebody who's interested in dating you, and you, you go that direction, but here's the deal, if you're interested in dating somebody, here's what you know, you are not, you are not going to show up, you know, in a you know, whatever, in a, in a ski outfit or in your, your bathing suit or in, you know, some kind of camo for, the, for a night out to a candlelight dinner. I mean, you're just, even though those things might be things you like to do to ski or go to the beach or, or hunt, you're not going to take that piece of you and put it there into a first date opportunity because, you know, it's going to send the wrong message. It's going to be like, I don't get it. And you want to send the right message that I'm into you and I care about you because everyone's life, we just know it sends... A message. And here's what happens over time is that, that our messages change, just like my basketball message changes. I don't send that message really as much anymore at all. But also what can happen is that over the course of time, we can also become discouraged um, and a little confused that we think our lives actually don't send that significant of a message anyway. We can just begin to think that I'm just a product of what I do. I get up, I am a student, I go to school, right? I am a worker, I, I go to work, I am a mother, and I take care of children. All I do is change diapers all day. I mean, there's got to be more to life than this, and this is all that, that I do. And we begin to forget the reality that everybody's life sends a message. And so just to test that theory out, let me ask you, when is the last time that you've had any interaction with somebody where you've left with no opinion about them whatsoever? Even this past weekend, Jen and I had the chance to go out for a meal together, which we enjoyed doing, and we had a chance to do that. And I, because this was in my mind, I thought, you know, this is, this is even true of the server who's engaging us right now as she's delivering our food and checking on us. And you've had this experience too, that in the matter of the first introduction to the table, and in this case we had a lady serving us and she walked up, introduced herself, and she was, immediately I found myself forming an opinion about what kind of service I will get because her, her demeanor, her tableside manners, indicated to me the kind of message that she was about, and I began to interpret and create a form an opinion on her just in a matter of 10 seconds as she was asking what I would like to drink, and you've had that experience as well. Any time that we interact with anybody, we form opinions about them. Some are more, you know, some are deeper than others, but some are not. And so here's the reality. Everybody's life sends a message. It just does. And we, we're constantly sending these messages to one another. The question for the Christian becomes, do we know what kind of message we're sending and are we intentional in what we think about and how we perceive that message? Are we clear on what is the message that I should be sending? Because what we know is if you're a Christian, if you're someone who follows Christ, that there are certain messages that Christians should send. And Christians know this, that it's not just about them, not just about their self-worth and the message that they send about them. But the unique thing about Christians is that you, your life, actually reflects something bigger than you. And your life reflects to people around you a message about who God is. Now, when people interact with you and engage with you, it's not just them learning you, it's them learning about who God is. 
in your demeanor, in your mannerisms, in the way that you engage, the way you care for them or don't. And we, we kind of know this, and yet sometimes, if you're anything like me, we kind of forget. We just kind of let that little piece drift, that there is this reality that we are constantly sending messages to one another. And if you're here this morning or listening later online, you're a Christian, there's something that we need to stop and rethink, and just pause and rethink. And for some of you, this message may be a matter of... Um, re-realizing, if that's a word, re-realizing that your life actually is very purposeful and very intentional. That you, because you are a follower of Jesus, actually have great purpose and intentionality. Some of you just need to be encouraged with that this morning. Some of you may be thinking, I don't have these gifts or those gifts, and I don't ever do this or do that. And I hope that this morning is an encouragement to you about what you can be and perhaps should be as a Christ follower. For, for others of us, this may be a, just a little bit of a refocus, like, ooh, that's good. I need to remember that because everybody's life sends a message. So I want to look at what message they should be sending, our lives should be sending, by looking at our passage of Scripture this morning. Uh, if you have your card, you can look there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to 21 is our big context for it. We're going to be focusing just on one verse if you don't have a card there, you can look in your Bible, of course, and if you don't have a Bible and want to look in the Bible around you, there's uh, Bibles in the pew near you, and those are our gift to you, by the way. If you don't own a Bible, that's our, our gift to you this morning. Second Corinthians is about the seventh book in what we call the New Testament, so about two-thirds into that book to your right, you will find um, the book of Second Corinthians written by the Apostle Paul, someone who was following, um, who followed Jesus later in his life after he persecuted the church for a long time. And he's writing to a church in Corinth, ancient city there, and he's writing um, in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 to, uh, to 20 is where we're going to go this morning. So, just for some context, let me begin with verse 16 um, for some context, and we're going to roll into verse 20. Um, this is where we began two weeks ago. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. And from that, we said that it is that change at the deepest level, at the heart of who you are, is, is a foundational component of the Christian message. That it is normal to expect, and albeit difficult and hard, that change is just Christian. It's a, it's a Christian concept. The old nature is gone, the new has come. That maybe we need to rethink how far our limits are of, of how much we forgive, how much we care, how much we love, how much we serve. Right? Then we went into verse 18, that all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And so last week we hit that a little hard. We said that God has given to you and me a primary uh, task of reconciliation. He's committed to us that task. And the, the beauty of that is he doesn't count our sins against us anymore. And the implications of that for us as men and women and young men and young women is really quite profound as we stop to reflect on that. Now, in light of that, we have verse 20, and verse 20 shows up to give us another picture of what we do with a God who is a reconciling God, what we do with a God who has drawn us to himself, who's made us a new creation, how we are to respond, what we do with our life, and what message we are to send with it. And here's what the text will read in verse 20. 
We are therefore, in other words, here's the conclusion of the matter in light of what we just read. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so this is our verse for for the morning. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. All right? So the the big picture, and you can see it right there in your your verse, is the big idea is understanding what in the world does it mean that we're Christ's ambassador. Now, if you have any political sense at all, you, you understand what an ambassador does in our day and age. Ambassador, U.S. ambassador to whatever, you pick a country, to Syria, to Spain, to France, to, um, you know, whoever, wherever, that the ambassador becomes a representative of the leader of a, another sovereign nation that is sent to another area of the world, another part of the world where the leader cannot be and, and essentially functions and is the voice of that leader in that place. And that is a really quite an accurate understanding of what Paul means here when he says this word ambassador. Now, uh, there is some background that I think is helpful, though, to bring that a little bit further because understanding it further helps us here. Um, In the time period in which this was written, this term came to describe people who would go to a foreign land and do this, establish relations between cities and above all negotiate treaties of alliance and, and here's a key word, treaties of alliance and friendship. So that the going to another land, going to another place, was not just for uh, trade and not just for economic reasons, not just for the benefit of either country, but actually for the benefit of friendship. That it would be a good idea to go to another place and maintain good relations at an interpersonal level with the people who were there. The, what we call apocryphal book, book that we don't have in our 66 books in the New Testament, but it's a, an ancient document. First Maccabees will actually indicate that, that, uh, that an ambassador is one who goes and negotiates treaties of alliance and friendship. So this is why a king would often, when he finds himself in an inferior position, when a king is attacked and his resources are diminished, what he would do is he'd say, well, here's my options. I'm going to go ahead and send an ambassador. I'm going to send an envoy. I'm going to send a convoy, an envoy, to go and negotiate for peace and friendship to try to establish relations so we can deal with this without everyone dying, particularly me. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, um, this is what God actually prescribes to the Israelites. And he'll say this, that when you draw near to a city to do battle with it, you shall invite it to come to terms. So before you go in to conquer the city, before you go in to, to, to fight, send someone so see if you can come to terms with them before you, you, you attack, all right? Now, I want to tell you, I want to show you what happened here. Uh, about 200 BC, I want to read to you an ancient document. And I think these are really neat because it actually shows us how language was used and actually tells a real story about real people. This is a real story of a real person that you would have never heard of. I don't think maybe you, you have. It would be really, really impressive if you did. Um, it's not very long, but it gives an image of a time in our history, in the world, where this actually came to be, around 200 BC, uh, written from the Greek historical annals. When the Thracian, right, commanded by Zoltes, you're going to love these names, by the way, I'm probably butchering them, appeared with an army of consequence in Scythia, marching against the Greek cities that had submitted to Romaxos, 
You have any idea what I'm saying so far? All right. In other words, there's this guy with an army, big army comes to Scythia. All right. He's commanded by a guy named Zoltus or Zoltz. So he's coming to march against the Greek cities. The Greek cities there um, had already submitted to another guy, and, and his name was Remaxus, all right? And so what they did is they said, okay, we, we have a problem. We have submitted in our Greek cities to this guy, Remaxus. We have some Scythian people who are coming to conquer us. We have a problem. And so they said, Agathocles, that's the name of a guy. You need to name your children Agathocles, or, or a dog. Wouldn't that be even better name? Agathocles. Agathocles, and here's our, our term, was elected ambassador. Lucky for Agathocles. Agathocles, as the Greeks sit around there and they're thinking, what do we do? We've just submitted to Remaxus. Isn't that a cool name? We've just submitted to him. And we got people who are on our doorstep. What do we do? Oh, Agathocles, we need you. We need you, buddy. And he was elected, and here's our word, ambassador. He was elected ambassador. And here's what he did. He crossed enemy territory. So imagine that for a minute. You're Agathocles, and you cross enemy territory passing through a good number of tribes, not shrinking from danger. And he persuaded the barbarians, I love that description, persuaded the barbarians not only to do our city no harm, but also to track down and return all the livestock that had previously been carried off by the pirates. Go Agathocles. So Agathocles saves the day. Why? Because he's the ambassador. Because that's what you do. Your job as the ambassador is to establish friendly relations with the people who are against you, with the people who might be against you, with the people who don't think like you, with the people who are opposed to you, the people who would like to attack you. Your job, Agathocles, is to go behind enemy lines, regardless of danger, and go make it up with these barbarians and figure it out. And he was so good at what he did that he actually saved the day for the Greek cities at that time. But he also somehow managed to convince these barbarians, as they describe it, you need to give us our cows back. You need to give us the livestock back. And somehow that happened and it worked. And that's exactly what the picture of the ambassador is. Someone who goes behind enemy lines. Someone who is willing to go into danger and say, we need to establish friendly relations here. It's as though, verse 20 says, we are Christ's ambassadors. As though... God were making his appeal through us. As if God is saying, um, Agathocles, that's you. I need you to be the hands and feet of my business. It's as if God is saying, okay, the world in, in some respect is kind of against me or doesn't understand or is opposed to me. You know, it's, at one point, we were enemies of God. And I need people to do and to send a message to those who are enemies of me. I need people who are willing to go establish friendly relations with people who are opposed to me. I need people who can be my ambassadors. It's as though God is making his appeal through us. And then he writes, and we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And this is the message that the life should send of an ambassador. Someone who's a Christ follower and becomes an ambassador sends the message, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. The question becomes... If everyone's life sends a message, what is my life saying? You know, what is my life about? And the, the question becomes, it's so big, and, and I, I tried to figure out how do we put a test on this, right? How do I know? I mean, I, I would like to say this is what my life is about, but how do I know? Uh, several months ago, maybe a year or more ago, I came across a statement from Andy Stanley that I really um, 
appreciated and it really hit me well and it really fits I think what we're talking about here and, and Stanley in one of his messages that he gave um, he said this and it was so helpful for me because it really captures the essence of what we're trying to say with what an ambassador does because an ambassador goes to people who are different okay an ambassador goes to people who are of a different um, persuasion and are, are different convictions and who just think differently because they were raised differently they, they think differently because their family was different they think differently for whatever reason and therefore because they think differently they do differently they don't have the same moral convictions they don't have the same ethical parameters they don't have the same spiritual view they'll do things and act in ways that are very different from us and the ambassador as though God were working through you, the ambassador takes that message all over the place and says, here's the message, be reconciled to God. And, and here's what he's had to say about people as they interacted with Jesus. Here's what Stanley had to say, is, as people interacted with Jesus in the New Testament times, and we read about in the New Testament, it was so helpful and profound for me, I wanted to share with you and unpack it a little bit. He said this, that those who were most unlike Jesus, liked Jesus. You ever think about that? That those who are most unlike Jesus liked Jesus. Those who are most sinful, those who are most given to prostitution, those who are most given to collecting taxes and ripping people off, they somehow, they actually liked hanging out with Jesus. They actually liked him. It's not just that they thought what he said was good. They actually relationally, they liked being with him. Those who were most unlike Jesus liked Jesus. And those who were most like Jesus persecuted Jesus, didn't they? The religious leaders. The people who knew the law. The people who had memorized the Pentateuch. The people who understood what God wanted to do or so they thought persecuted him. And so the question becomes, and here's the test, what do people who are most unlike God in your life think about you? How do people feel about you who are most unlike Jesus? How do people feel when they're around you? What kind of message are you and I sending about the friendliness or the compassion of, of God? You know, what kind of message is that? As we think about the people who connect with us, am I even connected to people who are so unlike Jesus that they actually like, they like being with me too because this is what the ambassador does. The ambassador doesn't say until the people who are over there, the barbarians who are about to attack us for no good reason, until they change, you know, we're, we're going to fight them too. The ambassador says, I have a message, be reconciled to God. And a challenging question becomes for me. Are the people that I know in my life who are most unlike Jesus, do they like hanging out with me? I mean, let's just make it simple. Do the people who I know who are most, whatever language you want to use, ungodly, who are most profane, who are most immoral, who are most opposed to my code of conduct and my ethics and my morality, are the people who are most unlike what I think is right and most unlike, let's say, Jesus, do they like being with me? Do they find my presence 
a presence of friendliness, a presence of kindness. Not that we have to accept everything for kindness to be there, right? Jesus didn't. But that his message was one of reconciliation. His message was one for you and me and everyone outside of Christ. A message of while you were still in your sin, I crossed the line and went behind enemy lines and found you. Be reconciled to God. And so what of those who in your life, in your sphere of influence, who are most unlike Jesus, do they like you? Some of that's on you, some of it may not be on you. I get that. You can't control everybody's response to you. I understand that. But what we can control is our posture. Our posture. Our, our, our persuasion, our conviction, our way of handling ourselves with people who are not like Jesus. An ambassador goes behind enemy lines. And the enemy lines are the lines of profanity, the line of immorality, the line of questionable ethics. Not to agree, not to engage in, not to delight the sinful nature, but the kindness of God, the friendliness of God is at play. I had this question too. Imagine what could be if we actually believed this, that we are ambassadors of Christ. Can you imagine for a minute what that would be if you and I actually believed, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you're listening or you're sitting here listening or you're online later and you actually believed, this is true. Like imagine if you, imagine if in the morning you woke up and in the mirror you said to yourself, I'm an ambassador of Christ today. Now, your spouse might think you're weird for talking to yourself or whatever, right? But imagine if you actually just had that moment tomorrow morning when you're getting ready for work, getting ready for school, you're getting ready to drive wherever you're getting to drive, and you just said, you just had this kind of, this moment of order in your life when you said, you know what, this is what I do. I'm an ambassador of Christ. Can you imagine what would happen even for a day if we live like this? Can you, can you imagine that? Can you imagine the tensions that we would resolve can you imagine what people would feel like when you showed up at work or at school? Can you imagine the relief and the joy that people around you would feel like, oh, I'm glad he's here today because things are kind of tense and I know, I know that he's kind. I know that she's patient. I know that she brings joy. I know that she has something about life with her and about her and she brings it and he brings it. I'm glad that they're here because I know that they don't do what I do on the weekends, but they still like me anyway. Can you imagine what that would be like even for a day if we could do that? Can you imagine what that would be like in your family if you treated your brother like that or your sister like that and you, you said, you know what, I'm an ambassador of Christ to my siblings and to my parents and parents to our children. That I'm an ambassador... And my message, the message of my life is be reconciled to God. That when we are most away from Christ, when we do the things that are most wrong, whatever that, that all means, you know, that we are actually in a relationship where people actually enjoy being around us. Can you imagine, let's take that a little bit further, can you imagine what a church would look like? Can you imagine what a, a community of faith would look like? What, what even this church would look like? Let's just take it for a, for a week. If we could as a church for a week look into this community and say, 
our role, we are ambassadors of Christ, and our role is to look into this life and go behind enemy lines. Where are things broken? Where do families need help? Where do people need support? Not where do they need our judgment? Not where do they need our moral superiority? Not where do they need our insight? But where do they need the message of the kindness of God, the reconciling work of God, who while we were still sinners died for us. Can you imagine what that would be like if the church became the leading voice of what is good and right in the community, became the voice that restored relationships, that made economic systems that were broken fair again, that dealt with, that dealt with um, all kinds of issues that we're working on related to, to poverty and social injustice in our community. Can you imagine for a moment what it would be like if we were a church of ambassadors for Christ who understood our, our role? Our role is to reconcile and to reconcile people to God, to, to live out as, as though God is working through us. Almost sounds biblical, doesn't it? So here's the question. Everyone's life sends a message. Everyone's life sends a message. And so what's the message that you send? What's the message that you send related to the God that you serve? You know, do people look at you and people who are most unlike Jesus like being around you, like being around me? Or do you and I sometimes get hung up on needing people to change before we're willing to bring to them the reconciliation, the kindness of God? We want to rethink with you. What is the message that you sent? This morning I said some of you may, may be encouraged by this, and here's, here's the reality. That I don't care how tall you are, short you are, big you are, small you are, old you are, young you are, whatever it is. Some of you may have lost, just kind of gone adrift with the value of importance of your life. And as Paul writes it here for Christians, he's like, hey, you're, you're to be Christ's ambassadors. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, whatever, that there is a role, and part of that role here is you interact with people, right? I mean, you care for people, and as the people connect with you, whether they're one year old or 100 years old, whether they're working or not working, male, female, whatever, that as you interact with people, right, you've got a message. You've got a message, and it's the message of the reconciliation of God. And I hope for you that that gives you a sense of purpose and vision and clarity. That I'm not just living to, to, to make money for my family. I'm not just living to get a degree. I'm not just living to get married. I'm just not living for retirement. I'm just not living for, to show up in church Sunday morning and, and sit and make sure that I get counted somewhere. Maybe God's happy with me that I go to church every day. I don't know. That it's more than that, that the people that you are with who are most unlike Jesus will end up liking you and relating to you and connecting with you because you are working as an ambassador of Christ to go behind enemy lines, if you will, and love and serve and care for those who need to be reconciled to God. Because this is what we do. And so what kind of message, what kind of message is your life sending? And imagine, imagine what it would be like, even just for a day, if tomorrow morning, if only tomorrow morning, when you got up and you stood in front of the mirror and you said, I'm an ambassador Christ's reconciling work. God, help me to live that today with everybody that I see. Can you imagine what that would do for you? What that would do for your marriage? What that would do for your family? What that would do for your friends? What that would do in your work? And what that would do in the church? If we were men and women who constantly remembered 
God is working through us, and we are ambassadors of him. Let's pray together. Our good God and Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in this text this morning, to be challenged by this reality that we are ambassadors of yours, that we have a role to play, and it is a tremendous role, the potential here of sending the message to so many people that we interact with, that we are for them, that we are not um, against or standing in judgment on people who are different than us. We are not um, in a position of moral superiority, looking down on in any way condescending to, to those who are different than us, but, but that we represent the love and the grace of Jesus Christ to people that we interact with, that we, like Christ, no longer count sins against people. We've given up that accounting term, and we've instead said, you know what, we're reconciling, we're restoring proper, friendly relations with people. Therefore, we are ambassadors, and our message is the message of reconciliation that you've committed to us. Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to do on a daily basis now what we know we need to do with what we have heard this morning. Help us to be men and women, young men and young women who are ambassadors, who take this grace of God, this amazing grace that saves us in the condition we're in, that saves us in the position of sin and fallenness and offers that same grace to people who are still looking for it. Help us to be friendly and kind at a really simple, basic level. And in that kindness, in that friendliness, show the love and the life and the faith and the hope that exist in Jesus Christ. We ask for courage to do that where it is difficult. In Jesus' name we pray.